Hey, before we jump into uh, today's subject, you know, on dating, just let me remind you of just a couple things coming up. Uh, uh, for those of you parents, you know, who have kids about junior high age or younger, uh, three weeks from today, we will actually have a conversation, you know, about sex. Now, the reason that's important is because we live in an over-sexualized culture, and the Bible actually says a lot of things about this subject that, for some reason, the church does not want to talk about or address from God and His Word. But I want to warn you as parents, it will be PG-13. Because it's in the Bible. So I just want to warn you because you might say, I don't want to actually hit some of that subject matter, some Song of Solomon kind of conversation and that kind of stuff that God created and it's good and in the context of marriage and all that kind of fun stuff. And so as parents, I just want to give you a heads up, you know, as it pertains to your kids on what you would like to do on that day. Uh, Also, um, our first ever marriage conference uh, that we're holding here at VRL is coming up in just a couple weeks. First Saturday of March, it's called Maturing in Marriage. Uh, the, the, the cost is only $55 for the entire day. We're bringing in some special speakers, and that includes lunch as well. And so if you're interested in that, head to the lobby. Uh, go ahead and sign up, and we'd love, love to be able to have you. There's even childcare that's provided at a cost as well. So uh, as we said, you know, today we're going to be talking about dating. Now, for those of you who are married again, uh, um, this is something that you might say does not apply to you, but you do realize that the largest growing population in the U.S. today is those in there who are single. It's the largest growing population. And so you have kids, you have friends, you have coworkers, you have neighbors, you know, who are in this category. And so although you might say this doesn't directly apply to me, it does because God might use you in the life of somebody else. So this is why this is important. Now, those of you who are single, we're glad you're here. I know oftentimes you may come and some of the illustrations that we may say or go through, you're like, man, that just doesn't apply to me. We're talking about marriage people or at different ages or stages. But whether you're in junior high, senior high, college, young adult, middle-aged, divorced, or widowed, I'm just glad that you're here so we can kind of walk through this. Last thing I want to say is that there's no way that I can cover all of this in 35 minutes or less. It's just not going to happen. So understand that this is the beginning of what I hope is a conversation that continues outside of these walls with those around you and in your community you know, groups as well. So as we begin, uh, here's what we know, because I've talked to a lot of singles in preparation for this, is dating is harder now than it has ever been in our society. In fact, I asked people to tell me on social media their worst dates. Uh, and so <laughs> you need to go to my timeline because there's some great ones in there. Uh, so I just grabbed a few of the most humorous ones uh, and uh, uh, threw this on, on here that, that made me smile or laugh at the time that we have. Misty wrote this. I went on a date with a guy that I worked with. While we were at dinner, he kept asking me to feel his muscles. <laughs> then at the end, he got really annoyed because I didn't finish my $3 quesadilla. So I gave him three bucks and that was the end of our date. <laughs> like, that's one way to do it. Uh, uh, Amanda wrote, a guy took me to the discount movie theater and then made me pay for my own ticket. (laughs) Not good, man. Not good. Uh, uh, Brian, you know, uh, Schmidt, usually I don't do last names, but this one's worth it. Brian Schmidt said, uh, took my date to the Spokane Indians, not knowing that it was singles night. KHQ was there filming the event and the camera crew zoomed in on my date in which I was then broadcast to the evening news. Thanks, Q6. Now, what's made this funny to me is that his wife wrote to him on my social media page, said, hilarious, I hadn't heard that story, to which Brian responded back to his wife, didn't have to tell you it was all over the news. (laughs) So I'm like, are you guys in the same house that you're talking about on my page? Okay. You know, so it's just hilarious. Uh, Melissa wrote, uh, this one gets me, in Alaska, 
I went on a date once with a guy who I met at a show I was playing. He obviously had no point of reference for his audience as he tried to impress me with a tale of tripping on shrooms in an abandoned trailer in the woods where he then gained the ability to talk to bears. <laughs> Thanks for the milkshake, Gus the Bear Whisperer, she writes. It's like, well, that's one. Uh, Bruce wrote, I took a young lady to an ASV ball. For those who don't know, that's a formal high school dance. We then arrived at the after party where she informed me I could leave now. I'm like, ouch, poor Bruce. You know, uh, Brittany wrote, a guy asked me out, then took me to, pl- to a play his ex-girlfriend was starring in so I could meet her afterward. Uh, he even made me pay for the ticket. You're like, really? That is just wrong. Uh, Sam wrote, worst date ever, every date before my wife, Jenna. To which Joe responded, you, sir, just won the internet today. You know, doing it. But my favorite response, you know, was, was this. It kills me every time I read it. Uh, Lisa wrote, I went on a blind date back in the day. He picked me up. We went to dinner at Skipper's, and then he asked me to marry him. When I said, um, I haven't even known you for more than two hours, so that's going to be a no, he cried and took me home. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. Don't do this, people. Okay, sometimes we learn by, by learning from others' mistakes. Don't do that, you know, to other people. Now, I, I want to walk you down, you know, a path when it comes, you know, to dating that you're not going to hear much outside these walls. Uh, if it was something that you hear outside these walls, we wouldn't need to address it inside these walls. But my hope is that what you're going to learn here is going to affect out there. Because insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So just know I'm going to try to present some things that are different, that are centered on what God's word might have to say on this subject. Now, have you ever stopped to think, why date? Have you ever just processed that? Why should I date? What is my purpose for dating? Is it just because everybody else is is, is doing it? You you do realize that modern dating is only a hundred-year phenomenon. In the history of man, it's only within the last hundred years that this is something that we think as normal, which is why when you read actually the Bible and other ancient manuscripts or Christian writings, there's no mention of dating because it's not mentioned, because it's not something that was practiced. In fact, you had to ask permission, you know, uh, courting was before that, and before that they were arranged marriages, you know, in most places and most cultures. Um, So here's the first thing that I want you to hear when it comes to the subject. Know your purpose for dating. So before you jump into it, or as you're jumping in, you need to identify what is the reason in which I am doing this. Now, dating in our culture is part of the process towards marriage, and it's okay, but most often, more often than not, we settle because we've not identified when we're not in the dating experience what our purpose is. So, so we might settle, you know, just because I'm like, well, I'm kind of feeling lonely, so what should I do? Well, I'm, I'm going to date. Uh, that can't be the, the purpose behind dating. Or, or I'm getting older, and as I'm getting older, I'm afraid I'm not going to find that guy or gal, and so maybe I should just start dating. And, 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 and all of those things may be realities in your lives. That, that's not really the purpose of dating. Uh, in fact, our media culture seems to portray, whether it be you know, on the internet or in, in TV shows or movies, that the purpose of dating today seems to be to hook up. In other words, it's, it's do what you want, Set your own boundaries, go as far as you want as it's mutually accepted, and it's not about dating any longer. It's actually just about trying to find a way to hook up. Uh, Many people who I've asked and talked to says, well, what do you think the purpose of dating is? Uh, More often than not, the the bottom line is just just to have fun, Uh, just to to have a good time. Now, here's at first, you're like, well, that sounds good. I mean, who doesn't want to have a good time? Uh, The problem is, is that you don't realize how tender and connected your heart can become. 
And so if your only purpose of dating is to have fun, and in that fun, you actually connect with someone who may or may not be marriage material, you might find yourself justifying, rationalizing, explaining down the line on why this person might be the right person for you when everybody else knows that it's not, which we'll get to in just a second. Uh, But ladies, let me speak to you for just a second. Your hearts are so tender that it's so easy in the fun process for the heart to get connected, it seems like, and again, it's not just a stereotype, it just seems like, in my experience, more than that, you get connected quicker when it comes to your heart. And so Proverbs 4.23 reminds us to guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And isn't that true? Isn't that really true for our lives? So why date? Now, this is going to be new to some of you. And to be honest, some of you are going to think this is going to sound a little old-fashioned, but please hang in there. The only purpose for dating, according to God's way, is to evaluate and find a mate. Is to evaluate and find a mate. So if you're in junior high, or even those first few years of high school, that's usually when the attraction starts. Where you're like, hey, I'm actually aware that there's an opposite sex. And I'm having these kind of feelings and emotions that are different than when I was in elementary school and I just like to hit on them and beat on them and mess around with them and pull their hairs and all that kind of stuff. But as you get older, this pressure that you might feel as a junior high and high school student to find a boyfriend or girlfriend ratchets up because you see that that's what everybody else seems to be doing. And over time, many high schoolers in their sophomore, junior, and senior years kind of give in to the dating process because they look around and see that their friends are doing the same. But let me tell you or remind you of some things that your friends will not tell you out of my own care and love for you. For example, if you're in junior high or your first year or so in high school, what does going on a date mean when you can't even drive? Think about that. You know, hey, let's go on a date to recess. I mean, what are you doing? There's not really a place to be able to connect there. And so that would be one of the things. Now, now as you get older, it is important uh, as high schoolers to begin to interact and get to know the opposite sex, but in a healthy environment. Because here's what we know. Friendship and connection with God is the foundation for a great marriage. So here would be the encouragement. Don't just isolate yourself, but go on group outings. When you go on group outings, you're going to have the same kind of interaction and get to know the opposite sex in a very healthy and highly relational environment. Now, if you are a teenager and you're a sophomore, junior, or senior, here are three reasons why you may want to do this more than just the single dating. First is part of the reason and the purpose of dating is to evaluate evaluate and find a mate. Know that many of you are still discovering who God has created you to be. So how are you supposed to identify who you are supposed to be marrying or evaluating when you're still trying to identify who you are. And so it kind of protects you from yourself. Secondly, to protect your heart, as I already mentioned, for every story that you might hear, and it might even be your parents, where they met one thing, dated another thing in high school, and got married and are still married 20, 30, 40 years later, I can point to you over a hundred other examples where that wasn't the case. And so don't take the the, the, the example of the minority to be applicable to your life as well. Uh, lastly, trust your family. You know what age and stage is best for you based on the maturity of discovering who God has created you to be. So have the open dialogue and conversation with people who are, you know, love you and want the best for you to help determine that for you and with you in your real life. Uh, but you need to know 
to go into dating with the end goal in mind is marriage. And we're going to talk about the purpose of marriage more next week. So even if you're single, you want to come back these next couple weeks to look at the foundation and purpose so that you know even more what it is that you're looking for in a mate. Now, let me give you a little warning here. Attraction, and this is not for junior high school, this is for anybody who is single, attraction can be my biggest distraction. Uh, it can be my biggest distraction. Now, infatuation, understand this, is not love. It's the high point of the relationship, and it usually gets emphasized the most in what we see, read, or hear you know, uh, through multimedia in different ways and shapes. This is a high euphoria. Uh, those of you who are married are going to laugh because you remember those days, ladies, when your man actually talked and listened all night long. I mean, they were there hours upon hours upon hours. And men, you remember connecting and hanging out, you know, with your one day spouse and you had this euphoric feeling and you're like, and I still have energy on a half hour of sleep to go through my work day where now you've been married 10 years. And you're like, it's 730. It's time to head to bed. I got to get up in the morning. It's just a different experience. It's a different encounter. And so you do things you know, the things that are kind of outside yourself in the connection, the pursuit, and you have this connection, the strong, the strong feeling where you're just thinking about the other person, you know, all day long and you're texting and you're connecting and you're trying to find ways, you know, just to continue to enhance that. And that's great. That's a good start. And oftentimes in relationships, all the studies have shown that feeling can last anywhere from a few days to a few months, up to 18 months even, you know, in this relationship. But more often than not, it's not the continual feeling that, can, that, that, that maintains itself. So if you make decisions based permanently in your dating experience on just the euphoric feelings that you are experiencing early on, you might find yourself in trouble. Let me give you one biblical example of a prophet of God named Samson. In Judges chapter 14 and verse 1 and 2, it says, one day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah has caught my eye. I want to marry her. Go get her for me. Good example of what not to do because you see what happens in Samson's life. If you know the rest of the story, you can read about it in Judges in the Old Testament. But here's what studies have shown. You and I literally lose our mind in this season. We literally cannot process clearly and intellectually as normally that we would when we're in this season. And here's one of the examples I can give you. When I've done some premarital counseling with folks who are still in this season, and it's a great season, there's nothing wrong with this season, I'll ask a question like, hey, uh, tell me about your boyfriend. I know you're thinking about getting serious. Tell me some of his weaknesses. And I, more often than not, I hear this, this statement. Well, that's funny. He doesn't really have any. I must be the lucky one. And you're like, no, you're out of your mind. You really are. You know, or the other most common one that I find is when I'm, I'm talking to people, I'm like, okay, tell me about a fight you've had. Tell me about some time you've had a disagreement. Like, we don't fight at all. This is amazing. It's the perfect match because we never fight. I'm like, no, you're out of your mind. You're in this euphoric state that has not moved into a state of reality to know if this person is really the best for you. Now, if you are married, this is for you now, understand that this is one of the temptations that can lead to an affair. See, one of the things that can happen in a marriage is that you long for that euphoric feeling again. And over years, you're like, man, we seem to have fallen out of love. Ever heard that phrase? 
Hey, well, more often than not, people are saying, we just don't have that same kind of connection and feeling that we once used to have. And so obviously we must not be compatible, we must not be stay married, or I must find someone else that can give me that feeling again. So let me give you, who those who are married, one of the secrets to a marriage relationship. Keep dating. Watch what happens when you actually set aside time, regular weeks and times and overnights and different things, you know, that will really enhance your marriage and bring that connection and feeling back from time to time. Is it going to last all the time? No. And God never designed it for it to last for us all the time either. Now, if you buy into the fact that dating's purpose is to evaluate and to determine a mate, then allow me to help you with that, okay? Before you date again, or if you are dating, evaluate this with this challenge. Write out your dating manifesto. Write out a dating manifesto. When your mind is clear and you can think clearly, here's what I would challenge you to do. What are the essentials that you are looking for in a mate? What are the essentials? What are the absolute What are the important things? You know, what are the important things? And then a third column would be, what are the bonuses? You know, like one of the bonuses would be like, well, he makes a million dollars a year. Like, well, yeah, that's awesome, you know, if you get that. But if you put that as an essential, you've just narrowed your pool down quite a bit, and you might be shooting yourself, you know, you know. So uh, you want to think of, again, what's essential. In other words, I will not date anyone who does not fall into this list. What's important, but it's not essential. You know, here's the three or five things, you know, that I really, really want to make sure that happen, but it's not absolutely essential. Then here's just bonus, you know, uh, on top of that. That might be the assignment for you. And so if you're a Jesus follower, let me just tell you a couple things that you may want to include, or I would strongly encourage you to include when it came to the essential side of the list. The first would be, to, that you're in your, that your number one dating requirement will be someone who is Jesus centered. Someone who is Jesus centered. Matthew 6.33 says this, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Now, this might sound a little bit funny, but to find a guy or gal who cares more about Jesus than you, you've hit the target. That sounds funny. Like, no, no, I want them to love me. I want them to to complete me. I want them to fulfill me. Do you realize that if you are expecting an imperfect human being to fill the only place in your life that God can fill, you're going to find yourself frustrated with each other over and over and over again. But when the person finds their connection, their wholeness in Christ, then they're able to actually give much more powerfully in a much more sustainable way. I could tell you, even in marriage relationships, when Caroline and I fight the most, one or both of us are focusing on something that the other person is not doing for us in the relationship instead of our focus being on what God is doing, which leads us to then giving to one another. And so it's just hugely dynamic for us to be able, and we're going to talk about that even more in the next couple weeks. But trust, trust that God will bring the right person if you become the person that's focused more on him first than just finding a mate. That's the first thing. 2 Timothy 2.22 says this, Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Now, here's one of the mistakes that we make. Sometimes we, we try to say on dating websites, you know, or just as we're meeting other people, we say, are you a Christian? Or do you believe in God? Can't do that anymore. I said, if you want to identify if the person is a follower of Christ, ask them this question. 
what does it mean to you to follow Jesus? And you'll find out whether or not they're truly a follower of him. But Dan, they go to church. Do you realize going to church doesn't make you any more of a follower of Christ than walking inside of a barn makes you a cow? Okay? And so it's important that you actually have a dialogue and conversation that moves beyond the, do they believe in God or are they a Christian? Now, some of you might say, I would love to find someone who puts Jesus first, but all the guys I date or the gals that I date don't seem to be that. Uh, Allow me to give you a fishing example. Okay, those of you who are fishermen, 90% of the time, the fish that you catch, I know there's kind of crazy stories out there, are those in which you bait the right bait to catch the right fish. If you put on different bait, you're going to catch different fish 90% of the time. In other words, ladies, if you fish for boys, you're going to get boys. But if you fish for men, you're going to get men. Uh, Let me just get a little more clear with this. Ladies, if you fish with your body, you will catch a bad boy body snatcher every time. That's the reality. Men, ladies are looking for a mature man, Christian man, who isn't lazy but wants to do something with their lives. So ladies, fish for a man like what we read in in Acts chapter 6, verse 3. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected. Find a man who's well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. That would be an example of the guy that you're trying to fish for. Guys, fish for a woman like we read in Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceptive. And beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. And and so the first manifesto, the first essential that you would want to make in this list would be someone who's a follower of Christ. The second that I would encourage you with is to figure out what your physical boundaries are going to be before you lose your mind, right? If you wait until you are in the date or dating or in the backseat of a car, you have already lost if you don't make the plan ahead of time. The emotions are too strong. And so before you go into dating, make sure you understand what your physical boundaries will be. And so they'll be what? You fill in the blank. If you don't write it down, then this is what you're going to find yourself you know, uh, falling into. Uh, Now, one of the questions that we get to our youth ministry and college ministry and young adults, and I even get it from those who've even been divorced and are single, is is how far is too far sexually in dating? Uh, So let me just say this, according to 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5, God's will, so this is pretty clear, is for you to be holy, which means set apart, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. See, people today don't think it's that big of a deal because they believe that sex is just physical. It's just a physical interaction. Just like if you're eating a cheeseburger, that's all physical. You know, it's just just connection. But nothing could be further from the truth. And you know this. You know this, which is why it's so much harder to break up with someone when you have gone further physically with that certain person, even though you know that's not the right person that you want to marry. It's so hard because it's not just physical. There's something much more that's connected, which again, we'll talk more about in a few weeks. The other question I get is, Dan, what about living with each other? What about living with each other before marriage? You know the phrase, try before you buy, right? Try before you buy. So Try before you buy is kind of a a car example, right? It's like doing a test drive. So if we were to actually use that in the proper example, the whole try before you buy is not a bad illustration. 
But example would be this way. If you go looking for a car, you do a test drive, which means you go on a date with that car. Do you realize that there's a car attendant in the car with you? That's the first thing. The second thing is that it's only for a few minutes and then you return the car. And so when it comes to living together, the try before you buy is like test driving a car, taking it home, living in it, putting miles and wear and tear on it. That's not called buying. That's called stealing. Okay? That's, that would be the same equation of what we're talking about. Now, one of the reasons that we choose to live with each other is for many in this room who might struggle with this thing called FOMO. Okay? FOMO is the fear of missing out. In other words, I want to live with this person. I don't really want to commit to marriage. So let's just live with each other. Let's try before we buy kind of thought and process because I'm afraid that I'm going to marry the wrong person. And I don't want to marry the wrong person. So I want to make sure I go through a process. And that's also what seems like everybody else is going to do. Now, I understand this. I understand the fear of commitment that many of us have when it comes to this idea. But living with each other is not the answer. I understand this so well. It was one of the biggest mistakes. I'm going to throw myself out there in my dating with Carolina. Okay, so we've been dating for probably six months, seven months, eight months, and all of a sudden it was starting to get pretty serious. It was moving beyond the dating phase to the, wait a minute, I might marry you phase. So uh, we get to that point, and what does Dan do? He prays to the Lord, he gets peace and wisdom, and he follows God exactly. No, he freaks out, and he goes to Carolina, he says, you know what? We need to break up. She's like, what? You know, where is this coming from? And then I used the stupidest, corniest line that I could possibly think. I rehearsed it in my mind. And I said, Carolina, it's not that I know that I, I know that I can live with you. I just don't know if I can live without you. And she's like, you're an idiot. And so we broke up, you know, and uh, it was awful. We're at a small, you know, uh, even Christian college at the time. And she'd see me and I would like ignore her and be that awkward guy. And so sit with my buddies and she's crying in her room and she's just like angry. I don't know why, you know, at me, you know, cause she's like, she's such a moron. You know, maybe she is dating a boy and not a man, you know? And so she's processing through this. Well, here's my extreme is that I was so miserable for two weeks after two weeks, I asked her to marry me. And so, uh, and she actually said, yes. So <laughs> here we are 20 years later, it's, it's going to work out. But I understand the, high, the idea of fearing, fearful of commitment. And again, none of that was an exaggeration. She probably actually has more details, you know, on that as well. Here's the other thing I know. And the temptation to live with each other is because of the pain and experience that you have had in your past. So the temptation is, well, wait a minute. I grew up in a divorced home and I don't want that to happen to me. So I want to do everything I can to not experience that own pain in my life that I saw exhibited or that I experienced growing up. And so here's what I'm going to do to try to counteract that is to live with this person in the hopes that that doesn't happen. But let me be clear. This is not a Christian study. This is a all United States study. Living with someone before you're married is like boarding an airplane with a 50 to 80% chance of crashing. Would you do that? Every study done on people who live together is 50 to 80% more likely to divorce for marriage. You know, and some of you might say, well, wait a minute, but we made it, or I know a friend who made it. Again, don't go with the exception. Understand what you're putting yourself into, and we want to try to help you as you navigate these difficult waters. So as we've talked about, an essential is that they would be a Jesus follower. Secondly, what will be your physical boundaries, you know, in dating? The third essential would be to require confirmation from godly people. Proverbs 15, says, refuse good advice 
and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. I mean, how many of you have heard from others or you've said to others, ooh, I don't think that she is a good one for you. Or ooh, he is not the right guy for you. And you begin, or your friend begins, to justify, rationalize, and explain. Oh, no, no. You don't see, and you got to experience, and no, he really is. Here's what you need to know. If you have to rationalize and explain to multiple people who have no other vested interest than their love and care for you, you might be taking that advice and throwing it away too quickly to be able to say, huh, maybe they have something that I don't see. Why? Because I've lost my brain and I'm not able to see clearly what others who've taken a step back can clearly see. Those of you who've gone through that situation where you've talked to somebody else and they've warned you along these lines and then you eventually broke up, you back up and you talk to your old girlfriend, guy friend, parents, coworkers, neighbors, and you're like, man, you were right. And you're like, I could have saved you six months of pain because they can see a little bit more clearly because of their love for you. Now, some of you do not want to ask that question. You don't want to seek counsel for two main reasons. One is that for you gals, he could be your security. Guys, she could be your sexual outlet, but understand that it will not end well if you don't seek the advice of others. Now, some of you might say, well, I don't have other people I can turn to. Guess what? Here's where the church comes in. If you have been married and you are a follower of Christ, and you have a Christian marriage, if you've been married for 20 years or longer, can you please stand? 20 years or longer, just please stand. Okay, 20 years or longer. Okay, so if you are younger than this, If you are single, if you're newly married, if you're on that track, these are the people that you can go to. There's so many people in this room who would love, nod your heads if you'd love, for them to have a conversation with you about dating, about where they're at relationally. As the church, this is what we're supposed to be for others. Listen to people who've gone down this road. Don't talk to your friends. They're morons. Because they've not been down this road. They're in the same situation you are. It's like the blind leading the blind. So you go in and sit down. Let's thank those people, by the way. You know, that's awesome. But these are people that can help. Now, your list, I don't have even any more time left. So your list will have more essentials. It'll have more things that are important. It'll have more things that are bonuses. Write them down and then show them to other people. Say, what do you think? And here's the hard part. Ask other people to keep you accountable. For when you begin to lose your mind, those other people can really say, hey, wait a minute, I'm noticing you're starting to get caught up with this guy or gal. Do they fit the essentials? Have you processed? Have you prayed? Have you gone through this as well? Now, as I mentioned earlier, you might be frustrated with the guys or gals that you seem to attract. And you might have, your fair, have had your fair share of bad relationships. And there is a temptation to start thinking things like, All guys are jerks, or all women are there just to get what they want from me. You do realize that over a series of relationships, there is a pattern that emerges. And the one common denominator in all these bad relationships that you have had is you. And so lastly, let me just tell you this. Become the person that God wants you to be, not who others want you to be. Become that person. Don't try to find your complete fulfillment in the lives of other people because they will always let you down and fall short. But become who God has called you to be. Do you realize you become most attractive when you know who you are and where you are going? 
Your identity is in Christ. And so hold on to that non-negotiable and the non-negotiables that you have. Uh, People who make critical mistakes didn't know who they were. They're easily influenced when it comes to the dating relationship. They didn't have a vision. They didn't have a purpose on why I should date. And so here would be a couple challenges along those ways that would help you in the process of becoming who God wants you to become, securing him so you can find the right person to marry. This one's going to be hard. Consider making a decision today and telling someone immediately that you will choose not to date for a period of six months to a year. You're like, I didn't want to hear that. Only you know that. Only you know what's best for you. And all we want, all I want is what's best for you. And if you need that period, because most, more often than not, is we jump from relationship to relationship to relationship, especially when we've been hurt, and we have a thing called rebound, which rebounds and rebounds, and it just perpetuates until we get this pattern that takes place. Now, this is a good point where I get asked about dating after divorce. What, what do we mean by dating after divorce? First, you need to understand, here's what I would say. I am always for reconciliation. So are the pastors in the church. We've met and talked to people who've been divorced and eventually they actually get remarried. So we will always choose hope over non-hope. So that would be the first thing we'd say. Those of you who are in in the second relationship, here's what I'd say. Second, if you are the one who has left the relationship and you didn't under biblical grounds of adultery, then know that you are in sin. And you need to hear that before a God who loves you. Oftentimes you might hear at churches that God hates divorced people. God does not hate divorced people. That is a lie, an absolute lie. God hates divorce. And any person I've ever talked to who's gone through divorce would say they hate divorce also. It's not pleasant. It's not fun. It's hurtful. It's painful. And God doesn't want you to go through that. And so he puts some stipulations in marriage to try to say, no, these would be the reasons on why you'd be allowed to be divorced. And so, but if somebody left you because of adultery, then God says you are free to find another. But then this is where I would say, you would then need to take some time off. The reason the second marriages have a higher chance of divorce than the first one is because more than three months, two months, six months later, you're jumping right back into a relationship and you're not ready. You're not ready. You need to heal. You need to walk through a season, you know, just of connecting with God and going through that painful process of healing. Understand this for all of you, whether you've been divorced, whether you, you know, are currently dating, whether you've made mistakes, you cannot change your past. You can't change your past, but in your present, you can make decisions that determine your future. You do know that, right? Because here's what I know, because I know my own dating experience. There's there's parts of my life that I I feel guilt, I feel shame. You know, like, man, why did I do that? Why did I allow those things? Why did I not follow what my youth pastor said in terms of the essentials and the importance and the the bonuses? Why, Why did I not stick to some of those things? And we can carry that weight with us. Here's what I want you to tell you. God is not holding that over you. He's not. And here's the coolest thing is you might have walked in here with one connection or feeling that you have experienced as it pertains to your dating past or present, but do you realize you can walk out of here completely different, completely changed, not by anything you've done, but by everything that Christ has done for us. That's the beauty of all of this. Maybe today is the day that you finally say, my life, my choice, my God. I give myself to him. So what is your next step?
I've listed a few different things, and I just want to remind you as you leave to say, you know what, that's going to be mine. Maybe for you, it's to write a manifesto. Maybe for you, it's to receive God's grace. Maybe for you, it's to find your identity in Christ, not in another person, and take some time off. Maybe for you, it's to meet with an experienced couple for advice, someone who's been down that road. Maybe for you, it's to break up with the current person you're dating, because today is that awakening that God is trying to get your attention. Maybe for you, it's to come back and learn the purpose and what a successful marriage looks like. I don't know, but I do know that we're all here for a reason, and I'm so glad that you're here. This thing called dating, it's hard. And hopefully we can walk this journey together in the context of community out of our love for you and your love for one another all centered on Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Pray that you would just guide you know, our conversations as we continue from here. I know this stirs some different emotions and some different conversations. I pray they'd be honoring to you. And Father, as we just dialogue, pray that we would just be reminded that it's all about being centered on you. Help us. Help us, Father, to have that be real in our lives. And if someone's here today and wants to give themselves to you as the first step, the first step to what they want to do in their relationship with you and other people, I pray that would happen. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.